Thank you for streaming the audio messages of the Fountain Church. Hey, so we've been in a series called Don't Miss Your Moment. Say to your neighbor, don't miss your moment. You're not going to miss your moment if you go to James chapter 1 right now. We're going to be in verse 2. And this is, we're going to be in our fourth week, and so we're going to keep going forward. So as you're turning or open up your device to James chapter 1, verse 2, I want to tell you a little bit of a story. So am I the only person in here that has bad driving habits or a bad driving habit? Come on, guys. No perfect people allowed here. Stop giving me that face. And so one of my, I would probably say the worst one that I have, and at first, I, honestly, I don't think it's a bad habit. My wife thinks it is, but I guess if she thinks it is, it probably is a bad habit. But I have this thing that when she's talking in the car and I'm driving, I have to, I have to look at her when like, she's talking to me. I just think it's rude, right? She's telling me her heart, her story, you know, like how awesome of a husband I am. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give her, you know, some, some presents, right? So she's been telling me for this month, babe, stop looking at me, stop looking at me, stop looking at me. I'm like, okay, yeah, I got you. And so... A couple weeks ago, we were driving uh, to um, her, uh, my brother-in-law's 19th uh, birthday party. So we're excited. It's going to be a good day, right? She's telling me the story. I'm looking too long again. Oh, snap. Car accident. You think, that story's going to be encouraging? Not yet. That's <laughs> not going to be encouraging at this moment with the story. And so when I hit the car, right, rear end of the car, it's funny. People ask me, whose fault was it? It was Definitely 100% my fault. And so when I hit the car, there was two thoughts in my head. I'm like, one was all those moments of, <laughs> stop looking at me, stop looking at me, stop looking at me. I'm like, oh, why didn't I listen, right? And my second thought was, this shouldn't be happening right now. Like, we're supposed to be going to a birthday party, but it's like, ugh, right? And so the reason why I'm bringing this up, because we've been talking about don't miss your moment. Don't miss the moment that God wants to radically change your life. But what can happen is that we can have these this shouldn't be happening moments and we feel like those this shouldn't be happening moments get in the way of the moments that God wants to do in our life. So we struggle with those moments like, ah, oh, this shouldn't be happening. This is getting in the way. This is kind of separating me. And some of us are in those moments right now. Some of you maybe have been trying to conceive a child and it's just been so difficult. It's like, how long do I have to wait? How long do I have to pray for this moment? And it's not just happening. Recently, uh, a, a couple, um, a friend of ours that were, that were in our wedding um, six years ago, um, they had already lost their ch one child, and they got pregnant again. We were excited. We were rooting for them. We just found out last month that their child passed away. And it's just, it's just like, it's just our heart breaks. It's like, ugh. And we know God's with them, God's for them, God's surrounding them. We're going to be talking about that today. But it's still, it's just like, ugh, it hurts the heart, you know. Some of you may be experiencing that right now. It could be, too, that maybe finances are a bit of a struggle right now. It's like you're trying, you're trying, you're even giving still. But it's like, I'm so stretched. I can't be in this moment forever. Some of you may have a child that is making unwise decisions, and you're praying for them. You're praying for them directly as you're telling them, stop, <laughs> you know, but they're, they still keep doing it. It's like, oh, like, what am I, what am I supposed to do? Some of us are in a job where we're like, man, if there wasn't a paycheck, I'd be done 
yesterday. Like yesterday. Like if, it, if, if I, there wasn't a paycheck, I, I, you, just, you just dislike it so much. It's like, why am I even here? It's a, it's a struggle. Maybe there's an area of our heart where there's just an addiction. We haven't told anybody. We're afraid to tell anybody. And it's such this tension because you've tried to overcome it yourself over and over and over, but it's just not happening. All of us, if you're not in a trial, you're going to be in a trial. Because here's what I know. that Even though, you know, this is, it gets better, all right? It gets better, trust me. Is that even if you're a Christ follower, it doesn't matter what you believe, none of us are immune from difficulty. Especially if you're a Christ follower. In fact, Peter says in 2 um, Peter uh, verse 12 that don't be surprised when you encounter fiery trials. He's saying like, yeah, just because you're following Christ doesn't mean you're immune. If anything, Christ is probably going to lead you into some scary, turbulent waters. If you're a Christ follower. So don't be surprised, like, because that's what can happen, right? Is that if we're not careful, uh, hardship can harden our hearts. If we're not careful. As much as hardship on the outer, it's difficult. It's just like, I can't believe I'm going through this. There's something unique about hardship that it can just do something to our hearts and harden it. It, it, can, it can harden our perspective on life. Where it's like, I'm not going to get excited. Not going to be happy today. Not going to be encouraged. Because if I get my hopes up, something's going to bring it down. And I'm just not going to go there. Some of us even, it, it, it can even be in relationships. Where I've trusted, I've trusted, I've trusted so many people, but they always let me down. The last thing I want Pastor Matt, Pastor Chris, Pastor Jack, whoever, is to go in a small group. I'll eat, I'll eat your chips and salsa, but I'm not going to trust anybody because I've been hurt so many times. And sometimes, and this is, gosh, it gets, it gets sensitive here, and I get it. I've been there. I've walked through that. Is that it can change our perspective. It, could, it, it can it can change, like, how we view people, but it can even change, like, how we view our relationship with God. And not in a good way. And a lot of us, you know, if we've been in church and we've been walking with the Lord for a while, we're too smart to say this or to admit this. But we're going through a hard time. God, why are you letting this happen to me? Like, I, I, I know that you're good. I know that you can take me out. Why haven't you taken me out yet? I mean, Right? It's like, oh, like I know you're all-powerful. You rose from the grave. Why can't you just take me out of this trial? And it just messes with our hearts. Things get cloudy. Things get confusing. Things get kind of funny. Lord, what are you going to do? You know what's crazy is our, uh, our two-year-old, she's almost two. She turns two in a, in a couple weeks. Our daughter, Selah. Um, it's just funny, being a first-time parent, it's a trip, because like, you hear your kids mumble and mumble, and you just think, like, they're never going to say real words. And they do, you're like, wow, you so, that's amazing. I don't know, just, maybe it's just me. And so, <laughs> we've been, so we've been going to the park with her, and, you know, at first, you know, like, she's getting used to slides and climbing up things, and she's kind of nervous, but she's getting kind of hold of it. So I want to show you this little video of her walking up or climbing up. And what's, what, what's fun about this is that before, you know, she'd kind of go up once, like, oh, I'm not sure if I can do this. But this last week, this is about a couple days ago, yeah, a couple days ago, she could only see one tier ahead of her. She's going, step. You go, baby. You got this. You're an Amatrano. So she's going step by step. And then it's not even until she walks up. 
that she can actually see, see where she's going. And so often when we go through trials, we have a limited perspective. Where all we see is that next tier, it's like, that's the next tier? Seriously? I've been doing this for too long. That's it, Lord? But we don't understand that the Lord is not just seeing it for one view. He sees the whole thing. He's surrounding us with his love. He's actually underneath us, pushing us up with his grace, even if we can feel it, right? And it looks like I'm a bad dad because I'm not actually, like, you know, hanging on to her. <laughs> You're like, this is not a good you to show, Chris. No, she actually did it ten times to kind of build up my faith. You know, she's got this. She can do it. But even if she fell, I was so present, I would have caught her. There's no way that she would have fell. There's no way that she would have failed. And that's the same way when we go through trials. We may not understand because we only see the one tier, but God is present. He's above. He's under. He sees the whole destination. And we can trust him that wherever he leads us, he's also not going to get to the right uh, destination, but he's going to be with us every tier of the journey. And so we, we're more than okay. It's going to hurt at times. It's going to be uncomfortable, but how many of you know that comfortability and growth don't usually go together? And so we have to allow the Lord, we're going to be talking about this today, it's going to be fun, I promise. We're going to allow the Lord to walk us through these places that are uncomfortable, that are hard, but you're not going to be the same person when you walk out. So a lot of times we think that difficulty and trials actually distract or separate us from our moments, but what if it's the opposite? What if our trial was actually our moment? What if there wasn't a separation? God isn't author pain or suffering, but he does author our moments. And what if God is allowing and actually walking us through this trial because in his infinite comprehension, he knows way more than we think, and he knows, what he, he knows what, what's, what, what's best for us. What if you're trying, see, and we know this in movies, right? Because we see the whole perspective. We know that the character, the protagonist, has to go through this situation. Because if they don't, they're not going to be all that they can be. They're going to miss their moment. And in the same way as we're following Christ, if we're going to become like Christ, we have to walk with him, let him take us through some kind of uncomfortable terrain. But we're going to be better. We're going to be way better. We're going to know him more, and we're going to come out knowing Jesus in a whole deeper level. So that's what I want to talk to us today is your trial isn't going to have you miss your moment. You're only going to miss your moment is if you miss your trial. If you avoid your trial, you're going to avoid your moment. But I forgot to tell you like the next verse. So Peter says that don't be surprised when you go through fiery trials because if you partake in the sufferings of Christ, you will also partake in his glory. And when you look at the New Testament, almost every single time where you see the word suffering, glory is attached to it. So there's a promise that when we, when we go through trials with Christ, that we're not going to just experience suffering, but we're going to experience his beauty through the process. And how many of you know that his beauty will always overwhelm, overshadow any, tri any trial that we go through? So that's what I want to talk to us today is how do we not avoid our trials because a trial is our moment, how we can step into that with faith. So the book of James, James knows, knows exactly what we're going through. And if anything, he knows probably a little bit more. Because he's talking to 12 churches that have been heavily persecuted for their faith. See, when I go out um, in America and California, I'm afraid of being called an idiot for my faith. 
But being called an idiot seems a lot more feasible than being killed for my faith. And so they are being persecuted. They're, it's so heavy that they're being scattered for their faith. And so James knows that they don't just need a pat on the back, but they need some encouragement right now. Why is this happening? Like, I'm following Christ. I'm going after him. And why? Murder? Seriously? So James knows exactly what a lot of us are going through. So James chapter 1 verse 2 says this. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. we got to stop right there because that's assuming a lot. <laughs> consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. The word consider, it means how you think through and how you process something. Like, what's your filter? When you're in a situation, how do you think about it? How do you feel about it? Here's why. Because how you see something is going to determine how you think about it. And how you think about it is going to determine how you feel about it. And how you feel about something is going to determine how you respond to it ultimately. So how you think about things is so important. So James says how you consider, your, and if you're taking notes, you can jot this down. It's how you think about your trial determines what you're going to get out of your trial. How you think about it, how you feel about it, how you consider it determines what you're going to get out of it. And I'm not, I'm not trying to oversimplify this. I know it's a little bit more complicated, but I really do think it comes down to this, is that often we can have two different filters when we see our problems. We can see it from a God filter, his perspective, or we can see it from self, my perspective, and what's going on. So this, is, this isn't exhaustive at all, but I want to give us some examples of what it looks like when we see our problems through a God filter and a self filter. Side note, Rudy, go ahead, man is that God filter should be on the right, <laughs> self filter should be on the left. And so when you have a God filter, you don't become independent of God, just to kind of warn you. That's kind of heresy. You guys follow me so far? So kinda, You guys follow me? Come on. <laughs> so we got to switch those. Self filter is, is on the left. So when we go through problems with a self filter, we become independent. We withdraw. And there's something in us that says, I got to do this on my own. No one's going no, no to protect me. No one's going to fight for me. I, I just got to do this. And so what often happens is that we strive, we strive, we strive. We're empty. We're discouraged. It's like, God, where are you? But really what's happening is that we've become independent because we're filtering in the wrong way. When we have a God filter, we see our problems in such a way where we actually become more dependent on God. Where it's like, I need God's grace so much that I need to become so much more mindful of him. It just causes you to depend on him in such a way that you wouldn't have if you weren't going through that trial. When you go through a trial with a self-filter, you usually become a huge complainer. Any complainers in the house? Don't raise your hand. Don't admit to that. See, I'm not more so an external complainer, but I can be very much of an internal complainer. I can't believe this is happening. Like, why? Like, this stinks. Like, I can't believe, like, what is happening right here. And so when we see things from a self-filter, we often become victims. Like, life just happens to you. But with a God filter, it's actually the opposite. You don't complain. You actually become really thankful. You actually have a heart of gratitude. And this is only, like, two weeks new, so I don't pretend, like, we've been doing this for, like, five years. This is only, like, the last two weeks. But um, Lauren had a great idea. She's like, you know what? Every single day, we're going to say five things that we're grateful for. How many of you know it's really easy to be grateful when you're going through, when you're having a really good day? 
<laughs> but when it's a bad day, I'm at two and I'm struggling. <laughs> like, well, I got four more to go. How am I going to do this? And I can honestly say it's forced me to really think, okay, what am I grateful for? Even the smallest of things that, you know, we live in Danville, so we go over to the Blackhawk Plaza sometimes because there's a, a, a big lake there and there's like ducks there. So say like, you know, freaks out, ah, ducks, like it's awesome. And so, you know, we're there and I'm just like, like really like I'm living in such a place in this world where like there's like ducks that I get, get to drink a smoothie my daughter gets to play with. Like I'm thankful right now. Thank you, Jesus. This is right here. Honestly, it just changed my whole perspective. And so when you have a God filter in your problems, you're not negating that something wrong is going on, but you can still be grateful in the process. Last one is that when you see things from a self-filter, that you will indulge at some point. What I mean by indulge is that because things are so hard and things are just, oh, you're being so stretched, instead of taking your satisfaction to Jesus, you got to self-medicate yourself. So we indulge in work. We indulge in relationships in a codependent way. We indulge in things that aren't good for us, and it really leaves us empty. But the opposite, when we see our problems through a God filter, we actually become selfless. That when we indulge, we're about ourselves. But when we're selfless, we actually think about how can I serve someone else. If you're having a bad day today, think of someone that you can serve. Because that's going to lift up your spirits because it stops becoming about you. So James says, consider with a God filter the right way your trial as pure joy. Okay, I'm okay with the consider part. That makes sense. But seriously, pure joy? Is that a joke? Like, does that mean like I come to church with, with a fake smile? <laughs> Things are great. Hey, how's it going today? I'm blessed and highly favored. Okay. <laughs> no, I mean... Pure joy doesn't mean that you fake it. Pure joy doesn't mean that, you have, that you're just suppressing your emotions. But it's saying that even in the midst of trials and pain, that God can do something so deep, so much bigger, that what he's doing is going to overshadow what you're experiencing right now. So you can actually rejoice in a real, in a, in a prophetic way, even if you can't see it because you know God's doing it. That's why we don't fix our eyes on things that we see, but on the things that are unseen, because that's where eternity is. And so we reflect, we become gracious, and we just, God, this doesn't feel good, but I know that you're doing something. This became really real to Laura and I this past year. A lot, a lot of you know our story from this past year, but for those who are new, I want to be able to share that. Um, so when Lauren got pregnant last year, we found out in January that our child wasn't going to live outside the womb because there wasn't enough fluid uh, surrounding her. So you can imagine, like, that's just heartbreaking. Like, I mean, just so many just emotions of like, oh, like, I can't do this. And got to be completely honest, I mean, it was tough in moments. It's like, do we have to go through this? It's hard. Our faith in God never, never lacked and never broke in any way. But it was still like, oh, this is hard. But I can say with integrity that even though it was super hard, there was so much that God did that I'm still so grateful for. Is that our marriage grows so much, and it already was, but it, it grew us so much deeper. Because, man, when you're going through that, either you pray or you're done. I mean, honestly, like that's it. Like if there's no hope in Jesus, good luck. 
And so, like, I just, like, it forces us to pray at a, such a deeper and a higher and more intimate level. Man, I, I was able to serve my wife in such a way that I um, didn't in, in, in the past because we weren't and never been in a situation like that. It brought so much of a unity to our families all together that was already there, but just made it in such a deeper way. And honestly, our church family here, there was so much of a rally cry in support. We're like, wow. We, we couldn't imagine just how much you guys just stepped in and just supported us. So even though it was so hard, so much grief, and there's even times today where I'm just like, ugh. A little bit of my heart is like, like it hurts. I can honestly say that the grace, the love, what God did overshadowed it. And I love what Pastor Matt had to say to us, that even though there was a loss that day, we didn't feel like that we lost in the end. You guys tracking with me? And so there's a power, there's a presence that comes that when you're in the pain that God gives to you. And, 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 and there's a purpose that comes with it. So I want us to think before we go any further, because this is not going to make any sense if we don't get this down. Think of your trial right now. Are you facing your trial with the right filter? What filter have you been using? And you're going to see it. Is there gonna be has there been complaining or has there been gratitude? Has there been independence or has there been dependence on God? Has there been indulging or has there been selflessness? That's how you know what filter that you're using to face your problem and your trial. So James says, we're not done yet. You got the right filter. You're thinking about it right, but now we got to work it out. This is where we're going to go somewhere. So verse 3 says this. Because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Say to your neighbor, perseverance. Say it like you mean it. Perseverance. Come on, we're going to get some perseverance. We're going to work it out. Because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And let perseverance finish its work. So that you may be mature, complete, and lacking nothing. Anyone like testing here? I didn't think so. I didn't either in school. <laughs> and what's interesting with this word test, it doesn't actually mean that we're, God's trying to test if you have faith. He's, he's actually taking the faith that's already there. And the actual Greek word, it, it means genuine. So when you go through a trial, God's not trying to see if you have faith. But when you're going through it, I'm making it genuine. I'm making it more real. I'm, I'm, I'm solidifying it. And it gives us a picture that back in those days when they would take a piece of silver and gold and they would put it in a fiery furnace. And they would keep it in the furnace. And what would happen is the impurities would drop away slowly but surely. All the impurities, all the things that would get in the way of, of it not enduring. And then as the impurities would drop away, the way that they would know the silver angle was finished, they would look at the silver and be like, wow, I can see my own image in that piece of silver and gold. And it's the same way spiritually that when we go through trials, God allows us to be in the fire. But when you're in the fire that God has planned for you, how many of you know that you're not going to be consumed by it? He's going to use something deep inside of you. So the impure, it hurts, it's uncomfortable, but the impurities are dripping away. And it says that the testing of your faith produces what? Perseverance. And that word, it's so rich. The word perseverance, it means to remain under. 
so that when you remain in the fire of God, the roots are going deep. God is expanding your faith. He's growing you. He's stretching you. And you're going to know him so much more in a deep, in a personal way. I got this, um, I don't get this a lot, but I got this picture, uh, first service, and I, and I believe it's forced at least one person here in second service, is that when we're going through a trial, we just think, gosh, like, I'm going to endure, I'm going to carry my trial, I just got to remain, and I got this picture of you holding your trial, but underneath you with Jesus holding you, and that there was a relief, there was a peace, there was just a comfort that came, that even though you still have to work through that trial, you're not on your own. Jesus is underneath you, carrying you, and he's giving you the grace to work out his, his desires, his plans for your life, and that you're not on your own. And that's not just your own strength. And when we go through a trial, we're not just depending on our faith, but we're depending on the faith of Jesus. He's already gone ahead of you. So when we rely and we remain under, we're not remaining under in our own strength, but in the faith of Jesus. Does that make sense? And so if we're going to endure our trial, we have to remain in the fire. We have to remain. And I love how Pastor Craig Rochelle from Life Church puts this. He was talking about this passage as well. And he said it in such a way I didn't want us to miss out because he said it way better than I ever could. So he said that if there is such thing as a genuine faith, then there has to be such a thing called a false faith. If there's a genuine faith, then there's a false faith. Now, I don't want to scare anybody. Do I have a false faith? Am I like a false Christian? It's, it's, it's not in that context. It's more so that, again, we're, we're, none of us are perfect people, so we're working this out together. So there's different seasons where God's going to work on this, we'll work on this. So you might find yourself in one of these, and if not, see, you're, you're solid then. So one of, one of the first ways, and again, this isn't exhaustive, this is just a general list, but one of the false faiths, uh, faiths is a faith that is inherited. That it was just, here you go, because my mom was a Christian, I'm a Christian. And we want to we pass down our faith to our children. Come on, somebody, right? It's our responsibility, but inherited means it's just kind of given, but it wasn't really received. And I remember like, when I used to work at Home Depot, and uh, one, of the, one of the guys I got really close to, you know, I felt like, gosh, God's giving me favor with him. I really want to see him come to Christ. And he told me he's a Mormon. I'm like, that's awesome, dude. Let's talk about your Mormonism. I'll talk to my Christianity. I mean, I was juiced up, right? And so I remember, like, we were hanging out one time. I'm like, dude, he's like, so I'm just curious. Tell me about your, like, walk with God. Like, how did you come to, like, like how did Mormonism come into your life? He's like, honestly, I don't know. Okay, cool. All right. I mean. That's awesome, I think. And so I'm like, wait, so, 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 like, so like, why are you a Mormon? I don't know. My parents are Mormon, and I just kind of became a Mormon. Okay, awesome, you know. And so, and I come and prepared, you know, like I got my verses. I'm prayed up. I'm like, you don't even know why you're a Mormon. Okay, that's cool. And so I'm telling them about the cross. I'm telling them about Jesus. Man, every single religion would have you try to go up and try to find God, but Christianity is the only religion where Jesus says, I am God, and I'm coming down to you. You don't work for Jesus. Jesus has already done it, and all you need to do is receive it. So I, I, I'm thinking, like, I got this guy. He's got this right, you know, and he's just like, that's cool, Chris. You know, um, yeah, I'm sure one day I'll become a Christian. I'm just not really ready right now. I'm like, what? I explained this so fully, and, and, right, and, it just, and it's just like, and I'm like, come on. Plant a seed, though. It's cool. I planted that seed. 
But what's crazy, though, is like, I'm like, wow, that is an, that is an inherited faith. I'm not, I'm not trying to point a finger, right? But we've all, like, struggled with that. An inherited faith says, here's some information, but there really hasn't been any transformation. Where, man, we can, we can know our Bibles inside and out. We can know all the verses, but if we haven't taken a step of faith, God, I trust you. I want to be obedient, God. I want you to be the center of my life. No transformation is going to happen. And how many of you know that God doesn't just want you to know about him, but he wants you to know him? Personal knowledge. He wants to walk with you. Jesus didn't die for you to know a couple facts about him. He died so that you could be with him in eternity and to have that full, uh, abounding, abundant life with him. So that's, that's an inherited faith. Another false faith is a shallow faith. A shallow, and Jesus talked about this in Matthew chapter 13. Parable of the sower. And he talked about four seeds. And the second seed is when the seed was planted. And it's awesome because the seed just immediately grew. But the reason why it grew so fast is because the soil was shallow, because of the rock. So right when the sun came, boom, the plant was done. And Jesus was saying, some of us who have shallow soil in our hearts, the word of faith gets planted, but when problems, when trials come, we just dip. We just can't do it. And so for us to grow in our faith, for us to remain and be able to build perseverance, we have to remain in the trial. The last one is that we can have a conditional faith. Conditional faith says that, God, if I do this and do that, then you're going to do this and you're going to do that for me, right? When I read my Bible, when I serve at Fountain this Sunday, when I do my thing, right, what are you going to give to me in return? And this one, this one just breaks my heart because um, before we came to Fountain, Laura and I were youth pastors for six years at our last church. Amazing, amazing time. So fruitful, so grateful for that, for that season. And we had one student who got saved in our ministry who was brought by a friend. We developed a great relationship. I mentored him for years. He was our first intern um, in our youth ministry. He was an amazing leader. And then out of nowhere, he just stopped coming. Didn't take my phone calls, didn't come to church. He just was ignoring everybody. Two months went by. I'm just like, dude, I just, I'm not cool with this. Like, I got to do something. So I felt kind of awkward, but like I drove to his job, you know. And if you know me, that's someone like me. I'm like, oh, I don't know if I can do this. And so I go to his job, and I'm like, man, I, like, where'd you go? How you doing? And the, the weird part was he had like a big smile. Hey, Chris, how's it going? I'm like, Okay, this is not mad at me. I mean, I guess, I guess we're okay on that end, you know. We started talking. And he said, I said, dude, just be, be real with me. Be honest. You know me. Just what happened? And he was like, it was just too hard, Chris. I just don't want to do it anymore. Jesus is cool. He's awesome. I don't have anything against Jesus. I just don't want to do it. I want to do this in my life. I want to do this in my life. And I just don't want it anymore. And if you were to look at him, like, from the outside, you'd be like, you'd think he'd be the last person, the very last person. But this whole time, he had put conditions on God, and he didn't even realize it. So when God didn't met, meet his expectations, he dipped. And a lot of times when we have a conditional faith, when we go through trials, instead of the trial shaping our faith, shaping our character, if we're not careful with a conditional faith, we're going to start testing God's character instead of letting him change our faith with a, with a conditional faith. But how many of you know God has something so much better for us? So much better. 
And so what does it look like not to have an inherited, a shallow, or a conditional faith? Because none of us in this room want, want any of that. I love this story. We're going to dive in real quick. It's from a, from a king called Nebuchadnezzar and three boys called Meshach, Rashach, and Abednego. If you grew up in church, you're like, oh, that's awesome. So I love that story. We don't realize how crazy that is. They throw three little boys in fire. I don't know when I'm going to share that story with Selah, but probably not when she's this little. Okay? It's a little dramatic. And so let, let me give some context so we can understand you know, where we're going. So Nebuchadnezzar was a king of Babylon. And God allowed his people, excuse me, oh, no water, it's okay. <laughs> God allowed his people to be exiled into Babylon because of so many years of, uh, of their idols and not trusting God and just really just turning their hearts against God. God said, if you want to turn your heart against me, I'm going to allow you. I'm going to let you, I'm going to let you walk this out. So they go to Babylon, and they've been under oppression, under oppression, but there is still a remnant in Babylon, Meshach, Rashach, Abednego, Daniel, and other uh, Jews, who even though they were a part of the culture, you got, you got to hear this, they were a part of the culture there, they didn't conform to it, but they were also able to influence it. And, that, and that's, a word, that's a message right there, but we can't go into that today. But they were able to be part of culture, not conform to it, but they're able to influence it. So they get to this moment where Nebuchadnezzar sends out this edict to all of Babylon and says that, okay, I'm going to erect a hundred foot gold statue of myself. And if you don't bow down to it, you're going to die. How many of you know that you're kind of narcissistic if you've got a hundred foot idol of yourself and you want people to bow down to it? You're kind of into yourself, right? And so Meshach, Rashi, and Abengo were like, dude, like, like we're, we're, we're going to serve you as a king, but we're not going to bow down to you. We have a God that is greater, that was po more powerful. We ain't doing that. So Nebuchadnezzar hears about this, and they go into, you know, his uh, royal palace. And Nebuchadnezzar's like, come on, guys. You guys can do this. Just bow down. Just serve me. Now, I want you to just, I want us to think about this in real time, okay? You were exiled. You're scared. You're in a foreign land. You're trying not to die. And you're in a good spot with the king. And all you have, all you have to do is just do a little, just a little bow. That's it. You're good. You're solid. How easy would it be just to compromise in that moment? Probably too easy, right? A little too easy for some of us, right? And so, because I think I was I'm like, man, what would I do in that situation? So they're in that situation. That is their moment. That is their moment right now. So they go into the, you know, Nebuchadnezzar's palace. And Nebuchadnezzar's like, all right, just, just do it. And here's what their response is to Nebuchadnezzar. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar. Don't you love that? Just respect right there. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar. We do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we rescue is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power. That's good. But here's the better part. But even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't save me from my trial, even if he allows me to go through financial difficulty, even though he allows me to go through even sickness at times, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the God, or sorry, the gold statue that you have set up. 
We know God's able. We know God is powerful. But even if he doesn't, we trust in God's character so much. Throw me in the furnace. I trust God. I, I want to just kind of shift gears real quick. I think this is a really good moment for us to pause on. Is that a lot of times when we think of passion for God, what do we think about? We think of enthusiasm. We think of zeal. I'm passionate for God. When I worship, I put my hands up. Man, when you worship, you should be excited. Because if Jesus really did rise from the grave, we should be like, blessed be the name. No, dude, you need to get a revelation of who Jesus is, okay? So you should be enthusiastic when you worship. But passion isn't just about how excited you are. I want to say that perseverance is the highest form of passion. And here's why. Because when you're put in the fire, how long does the enemy have to tempt you? How long does the world have to try to give you a lie for you to dip out of your trial? Real passion says no matter what happens, I'm not going to put any conditions on God. I'm not going to have a shallow faith. I'm going to remain in the fire because even if God doesn't take me out, I know that he's with me. He's for me. He's doing something deeper. That he's producing something inside of me that I want. Perseverance is the highest form of passion. If you're like, I don't feel passion right now. Where do you need to persevere? Where are you not persevering? When you should have been persevering. So Nebuchadnezzar is like, all right, let's go, guys. Let's throw them in the fire. So they get thrown into the fire. And the most amazing, or a couple amazing things happen. The first thing is this. They get thrown into the fire. And it's so fiery that the scriptures say that people who threw them in, they're consumed that second. That's how fiery it was. But Nebuchadnezzar looks in. Wow. The fire is going right now, but they're not consumed at all. They're literally in the fire, but they're not being consumed. And not only that, they're like, wait, how many? Meshach, Rashach, Abednego, two, three. I see a fourth person in there, and it looks like a god. How many of you know that <laughs> we're only going to experience God's presence and power in such a way if we put ourselves in the fire? But when we put ourselves in the fire, we're not going to be consumed. We're not going to be destroyed. But his presence and his power is going to be so prevalent and available because we put ourselves in the fire. Because that's how much we trust him. And Paul said it this way in Philippians chapter 3. That, man, I want to know the power of the resurrection. But I also want to know, I also want to partake in the sufferings of Christ. So when we partake in, in suffering for his glory, that we understand his beauty and we grow with him. So when you're in your trial, you're not alone. There's someone in the fire with you. And he's cheering you on. He's encouraging you. You can do this. And it only comes from remaining. Perseverance is the highest form of passion. And that trials, they're going to reveal your faith, but they're also going to strengthen your faith. And so when you're in that fire, let, let it burn, baby. <laughs> let it burn. Let the impurities drop. It hurts. It's painful. God knows because he took on your impurities on the cross. He gets it. It's like we go through trials. It's like he doesn't understand if anyone gets it. It's Jesus. Because he took on the impurities, the sin of the world. And he carried it on his back with joy. 
Hebrews talks about that when we go through our trials, let's consider the one who's gone before us, the champion, the founder of our faith, Jesus, because he endured the same thing for us. We don't just do it because he did it, but we want to partake in the same things that he did for us so we can know that joy. I hope that encourages you today. And so, how does this work on Monday, right? Okay, cool. I want God to grow my faith. I want him to stretch me. What does this look like? I want to offer us two next steps, okay, for this week. Is that if we're going to have our trials strengthen and grow our faith, we need to have the right filter. And how do we have the right filter? We need to consume the word of God. We need the word of God to transform our hearts. And so uh, Psalm 1 says that, man, don't sit in the seat of sinners. Don't be with don't be with the mockers, but instead have your joy be in God's word. Because when you put yourself in God's word, you're like a tree that is planted in streams of water. And, the, and the, the leaves never wither and it's growing every single season. You're always prosperous and fruitful. And so we need to get God's word in us every single day. And we want to make it as easy as possible, okay? If you go to our website, foundinchurch.cc, go to resources, click on the one-year Bible plan. A little bit of OT, a little bit of NT, a little proverb, a little psalms in there. It's, it's a good diet, okay? You're, you're, you're not going to want to miss out. You're going to be full, okay, in a great way. But, you know, maybe this might speak to you, but it spoke to me, is that oftentimes I didn't like Bible plans because I, I hated missing days. It's that eight type of me. Oh, I, miss, I miss three days. I got to catch up. So three days is really six days. Oh, I'm complaining. That's not the right filter. You know, it's like I wasn't doing it right. But I want to give you guys permission, okay? If you miss a day, you can go back and read it, but don't feel the pressure to. I want you to, I want you to skip that day, okay? Here's why. Because I, I want to have a long view of the scriptures. I'm going through the one-year Bible plan every year. So if I miss it this year, I'm going to get it next year. Come on, somebody. That should encourage somebody, okay? Again, I'm not, not telling you not to read your Bible, obviously. But I'm saying if you feel that need, that pressure to read past chapters because you missed a day, I don't know if I'll put that pressure on yourself. I would say just have that view because sometimes it's not even as important of how much you're consuming, but that you are consuming consistently and letting God transform your heart. So you got to have the right filter. Second, you've got to have the right people around you. you got to have the right people. When you're going through a trial, everything in you just wants to dip out, escape, indulge, be independent. When you're in a small group, there is a, a, a accountability, a godly, positive, upbeat uh, accountability that you wouldn't get anywhere else. So when you want to stray and like you missed a week, hey, where were you this week? We missed you. Oh, you're discouraged? Why didn't you tell me? I would have prayed for you. Hey, let's get some food. Let's get some coffee. Let's get some coffee. And uh, let's talk. To, let's pray together. Are you going through a hard time? I'm going to text you every single day a verse and make sure that you're staying encouraged this week. That's because you're having the right people around you. But if you do life alone, that's not only not God's plan for you, but you're going to be left alone to work, work it out yourself. So join a small group this semester. Get in one. I promise you're going to find your fit. And like Pastor Matt said earlier, if you don't find one, find another one. That's okay. But find your fit.